Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. Believers who are not glad to come into the Lord's house are in need of a spiritual awakening. I want you to hear me well. Hear me well. After dealing with the craziness of this world all week, the stress of just keeping up with your busy schedule all week, dealing with traffic jams all week, long lines all week, uh, thinking the, the car breaks, uh, the, the, the plumbing breaks, the, the roof leaks, the, the, the foundation shifts, the water heater goes out, employment issues. Trying to keep up with the demands of your children and grandchildren. Beloved, coming to God's house is a, is a place of spiritual refreshment. Coming to God's house is a place of spiritual relief. Coming to God's house is a place of spiritual renewal. Coming to God's house is a place where your burdens are being lifted through the worship, praise, and encouragement from other believers and the preached word of God. You, when you leave here, you, you, you are lifted, encouraged, blessed. That's why you come to the Lord's house to worship with the people of God, to the glory of God. And not to do so is the sin of omission. Number five, true revival comes through sound biblical preaching. True revival comes through sound biblical preaching. Jonah chapter one, verses one and two, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. After Jonah, after Jonah's divine chastening of being in the belly of the great fish, he was vomited out, went to Nineveh and preached truth to those in power as well as to the common people without compromise. Jonah's message was from God. Jonah's message was a hard message because it was a message of judgment. 
which confronted and exposed the sins of the Ninevites. However, today, many pastors are preaching messages focused on positive thinking. Many pastors preach those feel-good messages that tickle your fancy. They're non-judgmental. They're accommodating your sins. They're pacifying you. They're non-offensive. They don't step on your toes. They're self-help messages. Here are biblical criteria for gospel preaching. Here are, you need to write these down. Here are biblical criteria for gospel preaching. A, spirit anointing preaching is powerful preaching. Preaching that is under the, the Holy Ghost. When that preacher has been arrested and on fire for God. Spirit anointing Anointed preaching is powerful preaching. First Corinthians chapter two, verses three through four says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive, you know, cute words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Secondly, a pastor must have a high view of scripture. This is a criteria. A high view of scripture. I come to the pulpit. I've been preaching for almost 40 years and I've only come to the pulpit with one book. One book. The Bible. The Holy Bible. You must have a high view of scripture. You said that's why you're getting so many scriptures. Because I don't want you to just believe it because I'm saying it. I want you to see the scripture for yourself. The scripture says all scripture is inspired and God breathed. God requires all of the Bible to be accurately preached in its proper context. Acts chapter 20 verses 25 and 27. It says, and indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. For I have not shone to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You got to preach this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I just can't preach the part I like. I have to preach the part that convicts me too. The whole of God's word is from him. The word of God is God breathed, breathed out by God. We must have a high view of scripture and we must reference it, reference the Holy Scripture. Uh, See, listen. A God-called preacher must be willing to preach through adversity, rejection, and persecution. Every preacher will encounter it. Jesus did. Many of the Old Testament prophets did. The apostles did. No one was exempt. A God-called preacher must be willing to preach through adversity, rejection, and persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prison, his prisoner. Paul was in prison for the sake of the gospel. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Sadly, many churches today are quite content to go on with ministry without calling a pastor to shepherd their congregation and faithfully preach the word to that congregation. Congregation. There are other churches that reject pastors and change preachers like a revolving door. Two, three years gone, two years gone, six months gone, 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 revolving door. 
where pastors are called into a particular church and they are soon removed because they cannot even get their ministry going before they are removed. The scripture says in Romans 10, 14, see, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they hear without a preacher? D, God requires his preacher to be prepared, ready, and available to preach the gospel of Christ. God requires his preacher to be prepared, ready, and available to preach the gospel of Christ. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Didn't say preach a poem. Didn't say preach psychology. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Jonah did the kind of preaching that transformed lives unlike today, where many pastors and preachers preach a compromising gospel, a prosperity gospel, a motivational gospel. Many preachers preach a soft gospel that does not offend, a politically correct gospel for the, because they don't want to shake up the congregation. But many pastors preach a progressive gospel. Many pastors have become so political that they sound like more like a politician than they do a preacher. Many pastors even promote psychology and behavior therapy and modification, which does not bring transformation in the lives of people. Beloved, Christ must be the object of a pastor's preaching. Christ must be the centrality of gospel preaching. A message Without Christ is not a true sermon. That is a pseudo sermon. Christ must be embedded. We must make much of Christ in our preaching. Let me give you some. You said, is there, are there scriptures of that, on that? Yes, it is. Let me just give you a few. Uh, so you can see how Christ ought to be embedded in the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses three and four says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel of Christ, my friend. First Corinthians 118 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's the gospel, my friend. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 23 says, but we preach Christ. Look at that. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Acts 542 says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. As the Christ. Acts 17, 3 says, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Acts 17, 3. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16, it says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is Draper. Judgment on Draper. Draper's going to get a whipping if I don't preach the, the gospel. And you say, why do you preach so hard and get all sweaty? Because I don't want your blood on my hand. I'm not getting your whipping. I preach so you may know. Now, what you do with it is between you and God. 
But, but, but you can't say, well, you can't stand before God in that great judgment day. Well, Pastor Draper didn't tell me. He said, yes, he did. He's going to call it the date, the time, the hour. He's going to call it everything. And you walked out and, didn't even make, and did not make a decision for Christ. Stop lying on Draper. <laughs> Beloved, revival does not come from big buildings. We have a big, this is a big building here. But revival doesn't come from a big building. Revival doesn't come from a big budget. A revival doesn't come from a great big congregation. Revival don't come from entertainment in the church. Revival doesn't come from human strategies and methods. Revival doesn't come through competition, trying to compete with the church down the street. Revival does not come by fellowship meal, just eating, eating, eating. Just, everybody just worship and eat, eat, worship, work, worship, eat, just getting fat in the church. But you're not revived. Revival does not come through self-promotion. Revival does not come through apathy. Revival does not come through biblical illiteracy. The dumber you are spiritually does not glorify God. The reason that's not revival in the church, because people are uninformed as it relates to the word of God. Revival does not come through religious tradition. Revival does not come by reading the Apostles' Creed, which is loaded with doctrine. But you can stand up there and say that creed. There are some churches that quote that creed. Uh, by heart every Sunday. But if you don't live out the components of that creed, you can bust hell wide open and say that Apostle Creed in hell. Revival does not come by lowering the standards to accommodate people. Uh, many years ago, uh, one of the officers told me, oh, I know what your problem is, Pastor. I said, what is that? He said, your standards are too high. I said, what you say? I almost grew hair. My standards are too high. And I looked at him and said, how do you get changed with low standards? They raise the standards on everything. Your, how you drive, the standards go up. Edu- uh, the standards go up in education. The standards go up in medicine. The standards go up in architecture. The standards go up in But in the church, bring it down so I can live like the devil and go to heaven anyhow and you bust hell wide open. Nobody is changed, transformed, and made alive through low standards. By the way, a revival doesn't come by moving from church to church. Because you're still a mess when you get to the next church. Matter of fact, you create more problems. Matter of fact, some folk, if you're a big mess here, you can go on over there. That's less mess I have to deal with. <laughs> And just, you know, if I can just go to another church and they go to another church and they go to another church, and, but no change. Oh, they, they, they've been to 15 churches in San Antonio and they still acting like the devil. Transferring membership. Matter of fact, some, some folks don't even have membership. They just go and they attendees. But if Sam's tell you and Costco say, you go, down, go, go over there and fill it out, you're not buying nothing, you go buy it. You go, you go over there and you fill out the, 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 the criteria. Then you go shop. You see what I'm saying? You don't just go to Trinity University and say, I'm going to go to school my way. No, you go according to that protocol. You get to church. Well, I don't have to do all that. That's, that, that's not necessary here. You know what? When you have been born again, you humble yourself and you submit to the process. If you submit to the process everywhere else, you ought to submit to the process to the church. Why don't you say amen? Oh, my God. Help me today. My God. Let me tell you something. Revival only comes through humbling yourself, repenting, 
turning from sin to Christ, meditating on the word of God, and through prayer and intimacy with him. Revival will awaken God's people spiritually by removing spiritual dryness, spiritual sluggishness, and spiritual lethargy. It also ushers in revival. It ushers in spiritual refreshment. Revival ushers in spiritual nourishment. It ushers in spiritual uh, uh, restoration, spiritual renewal, as well as excitement. The scripture says in Psalms 85, 6, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Last but not the least. Some of you are saying, whew. Not the least. I wish I had about 10 more points because some of y'all need them. Some of you, some of you need to be in a spiritual ICU unit. Last point, number six. You know you are experiencing genuine, genuine revival when enthusiasm and the joy of the Lord permeate your life. You know you are experiencing genuine revival when enthusiasm and the joy of the Lord permeate your life. You cannot experience the joy of the Lord until you get rid of the joy killers in your life. Did you get what I said? You cannot see some of y'all. Huh? You, you just look, I just look at you. You look miserable. Those joy killers are wiping you out. You got to get rid of the joy killers. Let me just name a few of them. I don't have time to name a whole lot of them. Get four hours trying to name all those joy killers. Selfishness is a joy killer. If you can't have it your way, your house is miserable. Your Sunday school class is miserable. Church is miserable. The job is miserable. You're just outright selfish. Stinginess. You won't give to God. You don't won't give to your family. You won't give to relief efforts, disasters, disaster efforts. Some of you are bitter at stuff 20 years ago. Person's dead and you're still mad at them. They dead. They dead. How many times are you going to kick a dead horse? You're still kicking them. Mm, mm. Leave that dead horse alone. You can't rejoice because you bitter. Something mama got, some, some, another sibling got that mama wanted me to have. Daddy wanted me to have. Or how I was treated. You keep thinking about the devastating consequences and things that happen beyond your control. And I'm quite sure there are very ugly things in all of our lives in the past. But you cannot allow, you cannot, listen to this. You cannot allow your past to paralyze your future. Okay? Okay, what it was, what you've done in those closets. Everybody got dirty laundry in that closet. Don't act like you've been holy and all that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And I'm so glad we don't have to stand up here and air all of our dirty laundry out. Dirty laundry is just stinky, dirty laundry. Aren't you glad you're redeemed? Aren't you glad you've been bought with a price? Get Bitterness is a joy killer. killer. A controlling spirit. You just control everybody. You God in everybody's life. You got to answer for everybody. Got a word for everybody. Idolatry. You worship cell phones and televisions and gadgets. You worship social life, and sports and this and that. I'm not saying you can't have fun with that, but it shouldn't take over your life and be first place. Uh, some of you, uh, lust is stealing your joy. You lusting after money, lusting after women. 
having fantasies, sexual fantasies in your mind. Your wife, husband, don't even know it. Covetousness, desire what other folk have. Uh, what a, I'm not going call his name. He showed me something the other day. This, I don't know, this was the most expensive car. I can't think of the name of this. It was one of those most expensive cars. I can't call the name of these cars. Because I, I can't, I can't, don't, don't try to, you don't even try to help me say it. But, but anyway, <laughs> but this, but, but the car was like, it was almost like a low rider. You had to get in. And this guy trying to get in it was about 400 pounds. And it was close to the ground. And he, and he got in it. And he, I can't believe he bought this thing. And then we get, went to the gas station. <laughs> he opened the door and he had to put his feet, hand on the ground to help himself. Yeah, and he was, he had to, and I was just laughing. I said, look at that fool. That fool, he was in denial. He was in denial. I couldn't believe it. He was in his fantasy land. I just said that, it was so funny. He did not fit in that, and that car cost about $500,000. And yet he couldn't even fit behind the wheel. Covetousness. He just had to have it, even though he couldn't even fit in it. I don't know how he turned the wheel. I really, really, I really don't. Addictions. You're addicted to pornography. Joy killers. Pornography steal your joy. Uh, gossip stealing your joy. Addiction, addictions to a whole lot of stuff. Opium. Addiction, co- crack, cocaine to drive you out of your mind. Uh, some of you are addicted to negative thinking. It steals your joy. Let me give you a story. Some of y'all right here have negative thoughts right in the church. The music is too old. It's too contemporary. It's too loud. Here, here I come now with me. The sermon's too long. Uh, he's going too fast. The building. It's too hot. Somebody else is saying, it's too cold in the choir. She can't sing. <laughs> Somebody come to the state. Uh oh, he's up again. Negative negativity. And some of you have the audacity in church to undertone your remarks, where just you and your husband, you and your husband and wife can hear. You you whispering under each other with your lips moving sideways. I just saying, I disagree with that decision. And on and on it goes. If you desire to have joy, you must eliminate worry out of your life. It's a joy killer. We worry about mama. My mama was real sick and my daddy went home to be with the Lord this year. Uh, We worry about things that may not happen. You fly, you worry. You worry about his night. Well, it's been getting night since you were born. What are you, what are you scared about? You weren't scared about night when you were young. Now you get old. Now you can't go out at night. You scared night. You know, well, it's dark. It's, all been, it's always been getting dark. So what? Enjoy the dark. You get your chair and look at the stars and say, thank you, Jesus. We worry about your children. Worry about your health. Worry about insurance or no insurance. Worry about this. Worry about that. Worry about uh, politics. And some of y'all letting this, y'all need to get out of politics. It, you know what I call it? I call politics today a political soap opera. And y'all st- need to stop. That stuff will fill you with worry, 
You heard about the election in 2020, and you don't even know if you're going to get out of 2019. <laughs> Won't y'all say amen? <laughs> Worrying chokes the life out of you. It literally strangles you. It, strang- it handcuffs you. As a matter of fact, worry is a sin. It's one of the sins we commit with ease. And then another joy killer, and, and I'm, I can't name them all, is unconfessed sins. Sins in your life that you haven't dealt with honestly before the Lord. Unconfessed sins. Psalms 4, 7, 8 says, you put gladness in my heart. Now, cookies can't make you glad. A certain television show can't make you glad. A vacation can't make you glad. Do you realize that married couples have their worst fights while they're on vacation? I'm, t- I'm saying they come back just as miserable. They, wish- they paid all that money to go fight. Some of y'all looking at each other. Y'all know I'm right. I mean, y'all just huffing and puffing. You got, it tell you all that we're running late. We're going to miss the plane. We're going to miss it. Yeah. I don't want to go this. I want to read a book. Why can't we go there? You're hyper. If one of y'all hyper and nothing don't want to go, leave them alone. And you just go enjoy yourself. Come back and tell them about what you experienced. <laughs> oh my goodness. You put gladness in my heart. What is joy? Let me give you a definition of joy. Joy is inner divine gladness and deep-seated pleasure only given by God and not dependent upon things or circumstances. Let me give you that definition again because we all need this. Joy is an inner divine gladness and deep-seated pleasure. Only given by God and not dependent upon things or circumstances. It is impossible to have joy without Jesus living in your heart. If you don't have Jesus living in your heart, it is impossible to have joy. Beloved, joy is not an option. Let me say, now you need to write that down. Joy is not an option. We are commanded to rejoice in the God of our salvation, regardless of our circumstances. I said again, joy is not a what? We are commanded to rejoice in the God of our salvation, regardless of our circumstances. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, in case you didn't get it, Paul says, I say rejoice. Also, spending time in the presence of God will usher in a spirit of joy. Spending time in the presence of God will usher in a spirit of joy. Psalm 16, b says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As I close, where is the joy in your life? Why are you, why are you frowning? Why are you frowning? Why are you looking mean? Why are you touchy? Why are you edgy? Why are you about to snap? Where is the joy of the Lord in your life? Psalm 68.3 says, but let the righteous be glad. Are you glad? Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. 
If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.